It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm James Wilson, the Europe News Editor. And today we're looking at Poland, where judicial reform has caused a lot of controversy, both in public and with the president, who has vetoed government attempts to change the law governing the judiciary. Joining me on the line to discuss that is Arthur Beasley, our European diplomatic correspondent, and with me in the studio is our Warsaw correspondent, James Schotter. James, welcome. Perhaps we could start with you. Tell us a little bit about the background to this judicial overhaul that the Polish government has been trying to push through. Yeah, so basically, the ruling Law and Justice Party, which is led by Jaroslaw Kaczynski, has made legal reform one of the key planks of its agenda because they think that the legal system is inefficient and has not been adequately reformed since the collapse of communism nearly three decades ago. And so they have come up with a number of bills which have gone through Parliament in recent weeks. Two weeks ago, two bills went through, one which would have given the Justice Minister the right to fire the heads of lower courts, and a second one which would have given politicians greater powers over the body that appoints judges. And shortly after they'd gone through, some lawmakers from the Law and Justice Party put forward a further bill which would have forced all Supreme Court judges to step down except for those kept on by the Justice Minister. These three bills between them provoked huge protests across Poland. Tens of thousands of Poles took to the streets in cities around the country. And they also prompted a very sharp response from the EU, which warned that it could take action against Poland if it pressed ahead. We'll come on to the EU angle in a bit, but just to come back to the Supreme Court bill, that seems to have been perhaps the you know the straw that broke the camel's back in this sense, because it came hard on the heels of these other two uh, reforms, which and it were was already in themselves. Uh, controversial. Yes. And it was pushed through Parliament incredibly quickly. And the upshot was that on Monday, after eight days of protests, Poland's president, Andrzej Duda, intervened and said he would veto the Supreme Court bill and also the bill which would have given politicians greater control over the body that appoints judges. So we've had a lot of controversy, a lot of protests, and then Ms. Duda, the president, has weighed in really on the side of those who wanted this judicial reform halted. He has had support in the past from Peach, from Law and Justice, the ruling party, so his intervention was, to say the least, a little bit unexpected, wasn't it? It was unexpected. He was elected president in 2015 and in his election campaign was supported by the Law and Justice Party. And since he's been president, he has, for the most part, in fact, until very recently, sided with law and justice in most disputes. His first veto of a law and justice bill came only two weeks ago. And that was the first move against his own political family. But despite that, still no one had expected him to go the whole way and veto such a key part of law and justice's legislative agenda. Has he said that he's opposed to judicial reform per se? Or does he just want revisions made to these particular bills? No, he just wants revisions. So he vetoed two of the bills. He let a third bill on lower courts go through. And he said when he vetoed the other two bills that he remained a believer in the need for legal reform, but that he thought that the other two bills needed to be amended so that they're in accordance with the Constitution. And he plans to put forward his own amendments shortly. So that's sort of slightly halted the process in Poland then for the time being, James. Arthur, perhaps I can bring you in at this stage. Perhaps just start by explaining why judicial reform and rule of law and the idea of political control of judicial appointments is such a touchstone for the European institutions in Brussels. 
Well, there are two points to be made, James, on this question. The first is that the rule of law is seen to be a fundamental value, which is essentially a linchpin of how the union of 28 countries as it stands operates. And the second point is that the argument made in Brussels very forcefully by people such as Franz Timmermans, who's the second in command of the European Commission and the man in possession of this portfolio, if you like, is that any undermining of the rule of law in Poland would also undermine the rule of law throughout Europe's single market and that it would essentially curtail access to justice and undermine confidence in the single market. So they're seeing it in political terms, but also almost in economic terms, in terms of the fundamental freedoms of the bloc then, Arthur? There's absolutely no doubt about that. And this is a situation which has escalated rapidly and looked like we were approaching a point of no return until the intervention of the Polish president. Mr Timmermans, speaking on behalf of the entire European Commission, has raised the prospect that Brussels would go to other member states and ask them to take a stand formally against these moves by the government in Poland to blunt the rule of law and muzzle its highest courts. Now, to those who are sort of unfamiliar with the ways of Brussels, if you like, that might sound like a little slap on the wrist. But in fact, that's quite a serious intervention, isn't it? That's something that's never really been used before by member states in that way. Well, these are powers that have never been deployed by the European Commission. I think in previous episodes, there were previous concerns around Poland and concerns indeed around Hungary. The point of recourse, if you like, was the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg. The sensitivity that surrounds other member states is that they don't like meddling in the political and constitutional affairs of other members of the bloc because it opens the door for any government to be criticised by any other administration in another capital city. They prefer that these things are handled at the level of the European Commission in Brussels and, if push comes to shove, handled at the level of the courts, which would give politicians the opportunity to say, yes, 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 there are concerns, but this is now subject to court procedure. Yes, they wouldn't like it done to themselves, in other words. Exactly. In terms of the process, which I think we've referred to it in the past as the Article 7 process, there's two sides to that, isn't there? Or two parts, I should say. The idea that a member state could issue a warning to Poland is something that could happen with a majority intervention. But if there were to be further sanctions on Poland in terms of withdrawing voting rights and effectively taking away its rights as an EU member, that would have to be unanimous. And that, in these circumstances, is a very different proposition. Well, yes, you're absolutely right. There are two parts. This is the famous Article 7 of the Treaty of the EU. In the first instance, Brussels has the power to ask member states to issue a formal warning. And that's what's on the table at the moment. And that formal warning can be issued with the support of a qualified majority of all of the other member states. However, if Brussels was to proceed and go much further and then seek to strip Poland of its voting rights, a unanimous vote of all the other member states would be required. And that's simply not going to happen at the moment because Poland's ally, Hungary, has made it clear that it will side with Warsaw in that event and any such attempt would therefore fail. So what's on the table is the prospect of a formal warning. But Timmermans at the moment is, if you like, holding fire in light of the president's intervention and awaiting signals from Warsaw that they might back down. So an optimist would say that the possibility of an intervention from Brussels or from member states is slightly working, uh, Arthur. But James, is that really how it seems in Poland? One can't imagine that law and justice are going to walk away from this reform that easily. 
No, indeed. And in response to the president's intervention, Prime Minister Shidwa said that law and justice had no intention of walking away from these reforms. The other thing to note is that the president himself, in his announcement that he planned to deploy his veto, talked of fine-tuning the laws so that they're in accordance with the constitution. So it may well be that what comes back in a couple of months' time is not drastically different from what's been put forward now. The other question, I think, is how the opposition, and particularly opposition on the streets, responds. I mean, they have called all along for three vetoes. They got two. If a new bill comes back that is not that much different from what was put forward last time, then it's possible that they might take to the streets again. So still very much open to question what could happen next. And what about foreign investors observing Poland, James? What are they making of this? Because it's been a relative economic success story from Central Europe, the Polish economy. Is this something that could potentially deter investors from basing themselves in Poland if they have no trust in the rule of law? Well, clearly that would be a concern in the long run. I mean, this fight between Warsaw and the EU over the judiciary has already been going on for more than a year. Uh, the, the sort of opening shots were fired over another part of the judicial system called the Constitutional Tribunal more than a year ago. And Poland's economy at the moment is still going very strongly. Growth is expected to be you know, more than 3.5% this year. But clearly, if this fight drags on, and if the final laws that are enacted do undermine the rule of law, then it's possible that investors will be concerned. Arthur, I'll turn it back to you for final thoughts, really. It seems that Poland has very much positioned itself at the moment under the current government as part of the, if you like, the awkward squad within the European Union. Is that a fair assumption? I think it is, and I think it speaks to concerns about tensions between the eastern, newer member states and the older powers in the bloc. This is not the first point of contention between Brussels and Poland, nor indeed Hungary its ally, I think there's a sense that this particular issue could very well come to a head in the autumn when people return from the summer break. It's already been pretty bad between Poland and Brussels. As recently as a few months ago, Poland vetoed or sought to veto the re-election of Donald Tusk, its countryman, a former Prime Minister of Poland, as President of the European Council. And what happened ultimately was that a formal summit communique was never actually issued because Poland said it would not support it. And that, really, when you're talking about the highest political post in the European Union, reflects deep, deep deep tension between Poland, the largest of the new member states that joined the bloc in its historic enlargement in 2004. And it just seems to be because they have in some ways fundamentally different concerns to some of the older established Western EU member states in some fields. Well, I think it's important to realise as well that, I mean, I, I think people in Brussels take heart when they see protests on the streets of Warsaw and in recent days that the actions of the government do not have overwhelming support, far from it in Poland, and that there is a very large constituency in the country that is quite disturbed by what's been going on in terms of these efforts to muzzle the Supreme Court and the other constitutional tribunal, and that this essentially is a pretty tense political debate which is playing out in Poland, but one which is not yet won. And therefore, the sense in Brussels and indeed in other member states is that it's important to keep the pressure on. People say there's no suggestion that Poland should be directed what to do, but that when it comes to fundamental values, Values. Fundamental values are fundamental values and they must be respected at all times. So very much a debate to be continued possibly after the summer when we see the new revised shape of the law and justice reforms. Arthur, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us on the line from Brussels and to you, James, in the studio. Thank you very much for taking part. That's it for this week. Until- Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Next week, goodbye.